It's also called Decoration Day. How many grew up in a rural community in, well, the country and uh, maybe a church with a cemetery with it and you know exactly what Decoration Day is? That's right. It's a big deal. I don't know if it's a big deal now or not, but they, they used to have it all around our house and it was in Harpersville. Harpersville's got a red light and that's our claim to fame. But, um, you know, they would have decoration. They would come and clean up the cemetery and they'd have a big dinner on the grounds and all this stuff singing and it was a big thing. Well, that started, Memorial Day started right after the Civil War. And it started with people saying, we need to keep the cemeteries of those who were fallen in the civil war we need to keep them clean so i guess maybe decoration day is kind of connected to that where the cemetery was a place of honor and respect and people wanted to make sure it was kept clean um if you're raised you know in a city you don't you didn't have that kind of maybe influence but we were most of us were raised in the country um there was a cemetery dedicated in 1863, November the 19th, 1863, in a place called Gettysburg, Pennsylvania. You might have heard of it. It was the bloodiest battle of the Civil War, period. About 30,000-plus casualties together in those three days where massive armies of the South and the North fought. And uh, you think about 2,500 people that lived in Gettysburg. How about the challenge of burying 30,000 casualties. And the dedication of that cemetery took place in November from the July. So it, it was already kind of somebody came in and engineering kind of, if you've ever been to Gettysburg, you know how beautifully it's arranged. And on that day, on that day of dedicating that soldier's cemetery, that's how it was called, the Gettysburg Soldier Cemetery, the main speaker that day was Edward Everett, a great orator known throughout the country. And um, the president was invited. You might have heard of him before, Abraham Lincoln. And he was giving this little small part at the front end of that ceremony. His speech was barely over two minutes long. Edward Everett, after that, spoke for two hours. And so not too many people know about Edward Everett. But a lot of people know four score and seven years ago, this little brief speech that Abraham Lincoln sat down and the, the man next to him, he kind of said that didn't go over very well because there wasn't much of a response. But as that lingered there, it became more and more profound, those words in two minutes, that the next day, Edward Everett wrote a letter to Lincoln telling him he wished he had accomplished in two hours what he managed to do in two minutes. Before two years would pass, both of those men would be deceased. Edward Everett would die in January of 1865, and in April, you know, Abraham Lincoln became part of the fallen of the Civil War. Make no mistake about it, he was a casualty of the Civil War. And he was a part of the group that he showed respect and honor to. The prophet Habakkuk, I'm going to take you to chapter 3, and, and you're probably going to have to look at the front of your contents of your Bible. But it's okay, we got it on the screen here in just a minute. 
Habakkuk, only three chapters long. We're going to go to the third chapter because I really think it speaks to what we really try to do on Memorial Day weekend, and that's to remember. And I titled this, Sometimes We Just Need Reminding. Sometimes we need reminding of what we've heard and what we've seen. And Habakkuk finishes his prophecy with those exact words. The last chapter begins telling us that this is a prayer that Habakkuk is praying. And it's within this form that I'm not going to even try to pronounce. But if you're looking at it, it's the, it's the English rendering of the Hebrew. And it has to do with music. So it's almost like he said, I'm praying this with music involved in a musical manner. Have you noticed that some of our songs are prayers made to music? Just like what we've just sung. And so Habakkuk begins talking about the character of God. I want you to see in chapter 3, verse 2. This is the start of his prayer. And by the way, Habakkuk was, he might not be known to you and me very much, but he was known in the 16th century because he made this small statement in chapter 2 when he said, the just shall live by faith. And the reformers in the 16th century grabbed on to that statement and carried the words of Habakkuk all the way through the Reformation. In chapter 1, he points out different things that encourages the people. So here he is, and he's about to pray, and this is how he starts his prayer. Lord, I have heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds. Lord, repeat them in our day. In our time, make them known in wrath. Remember mercy. He said, I have heard of your fame. This is Yahweh's character. This is Jehovah's character. When you see Lord in capital letters, there's the word for Yahweh or Jehovah. This is the great I am. And just we just sung a song about the character of God. He is Jireh, the Lord who is enough. Doesn't have to say how he is enough. It just says he is enough, meaning because he is who he is, everything else beyond that is taken care of, right? So Habakkuk says, Lord, we have heard, I have heard of your fame. I have heard of your character. You are the I am that spoke to Moses out of the burning bush. You are the one who told Moses to go back to a place he was a fugitive from and to stand in front of the most powerful man in the world at that time, the Pharaoh of Egypt, and to tell him and to instruct him to let all of the Israelites out of slavery. Have you ever thought that it ever crossed Moses' mind that Pharaoh was like, well, we'll just kill you? I think maybe that was a thought in that until the Lord said, throw your staff down. And it turned into a snake. Now, he was 80 years of age when the Lord was doing this to him. I mean, when you see a snake come out of a staff, that's pretty, that could make your heart rate go up a little bit. But he wasn't finished. He said, I want another sign. And he said, put your hand in, inside your tunic. And he pulled it out, and there his hand was completely covered with these awful sores called leprosy, an incurable disease. That had to raise his heart rate up a little bit. So he put it back in, he pulled it out, and it was clean. It was on the authority of God and who he was that Moses walked into the chamber 
of Egypt and looked at Pharaoh eye to eye and say, let the people of Israel go without any, I don't think he had any worry about being killed because he had the staff. And he had the God who would make that staff into a snake. And it was really amazing how all that worked. That's the fame that Habakkuk, remember, says he had all of those books. Habakkuk had the law of Moses, all five books of Moses, all the way from Genesis to Deuteronomy. He had Samuel's prophecy. He had David's Psalms. He had all of that telling him, Lord, we have heard of your fame. We have heard of your character. You are who you are. And he says this, we've also understand what you did. He said, I stand in awe of your deeds. I'm amazed at what you've done, how you did it. John Starnes used to sing a song. That's a name from the past, right? Look what the Lord has done. Remember that song? Look what the Lord has done. And this is Habakkuk writing this prophecy. Not only have we heard of your fame, but we want to say, look what the Lord has done. We stand in awe of your deeds. I am awed by the faithfulness of God to our lives. There's benefits that we get by looking to the past. Some people try to live in the past. That's not where God wants us to live. And some people say, well, if we don't learn from the past, we're destined to repeat it in kind of a negative way. But sometimes we need to look back there to see what God has done. And we need to look, he said, I stand in awe of you, Lord. The prophet looks to the past actions of God and says, we stand in awe of how you work. Even Jesus spoke to the naysayers. He stood in front of them and says, if you don't believe me for my, for my words, at least believe me for the miracles that I've done. Look at what I have done. If you have a problem with what I say, look what I've done. And they just kind of rebuffed him. And then they picked up stones one day to stone him. He says, for what miracle are you stoning me? Are you trying to stone me? He says, oh, we're not stoning you for miracles. We're stoning you because you have said uh, as a mere man that you are God. You are the son of God. You've made yourself God. It's not about the miracles. I just don't know how people can dismiss the miracles I don't know, I think it'd be really impressive to see someone raised from the dead after being dead for four days. And here are they, they just dismissing the deeds of Jesus. They have a problem with who he is. They don't have a problem necessarily, maybe they did. On one occasion, the ruler of the synagogue, Jesus walked in on a Sabbath, healed this crippled woman who had been crippled for 18 years. And the ruler of the synagogue jumped up and said, Six days you can bring people to the synagogue for healing, but not on this day. Now, have you thought about how stupid that is? Now, that's, I hate that that's one of my favorite words, but, you know, you, bring, you can do healing any day but Saturday, the Sabbath. You don't do that on the Sabbath, and this was their hang-up. It wasn't necessarily the miracles he was doing. It was that who he said he was, the deeds of the Lord. But they were losing the fight over people being awed by Christ's miracles. People just were talking all the time about what he has done. How could one not be awed by such? God give us a revival of standing in awe of the deeds of the Lord. That he just impresses us. And here's the next statement in this prayer. Repeat them in our day. 
Amen. Repeat, Lord, what you've done in the past in our day. Repeat your miracles in our day. Repeat your dynamic in our day. Save to the uttermost those who are lost in our day. Life-transforming encounters with you, Lord. Repeat that in our day. And then he says, in our time, make them known. You think about how much Memorial Day weekend has changed. It's supposed to be honoring our fallen soldiers. Barely a thought about history. We just head to the beach and head to other places. Instead, it's replaced with what we have on our mind. Whatever we want to do. When history, history begs, our country's history begs for us to remember. I wonder if we have gotten used to our history. I wonder if it stopped impressing us. I can tell you one thing. Kirby Riles, who went from Russia, we got to spend a time in Russia with Kirby up in the Alexandrov area, and then he went over to Belgium when Russia began to lock down on visas, and Kirby ended up in Bastogne, Belgium. Anybody know what's interesting about that place? The Battle of the Bulge took place there. He said in Bastogne, Belgium, almost everyone is like atheistic or agnostic. They just don't believe. They just don't. It's like, but I can tell you what, he says, but when it comes time to celebrate the Battle of the Bulls, they pull out all kind of American apparel, dress up, and parade down the street of Bastogne, Belgium because they haven't forgotten that they were saved from Hitler's Germany. And there's three cemeteries, American cemeteries, in the area. Not all of those interred died in the Battle of the Bulge. We, we lost about 10,000 men in that battle. It was one of the last really serious battles. It was Germany's kind of last stand before that line was broken. But he says the people of Belgium hasn't forgotten because their grandparents survived because American blood was spilt on their soil. And they honor America. It's kind of interesting that some places around the world honor our soldiers more than maybe we have in America, which is sad. We need to remember the deeds of our God and say, Lord, repeat them in our day. We need to be reminded of your greatness. We need to be reminded of the cost that it took for us to know you and to experience our salvation. And then lastly, he says this, in wrath, remember mercy. What a great statement. And so much followed that statement after that. I mean, this is just one sentence of the opening prayer. And I'm not going to read all of it. I'm going to read part of the latter part of it. But he is, he is calling on God who is enough. God who is the great I am, God who is the ancient of days, God who is Jireh, God who is altogether what we lack or need, and all the things that he has done says we will remember it, Lord, we will recall it, we will never forget what you've done in our lives. But we also know that judgment is coming. And in your judgment, in your right to judge what's wrong, remember mercy. Have mercy on us, Lord. No matter what we 
do, we can trust in the mercy of God, in the goodness of God. God's mercy is really part of his character, is it not? Aren't you glad he's merciful? I find this prayer so captivating because Habakkuk gets personal with the Lord. This is around verse 8. When he starts asking the Lord, were, were you angry? You know, it's really neat to be able to have a relationship with the Lord Jehovah when you say, were you angry? Were you angry with rivers, Lord? And again, that's the word for Yahweh. Was your wrath against the streams? Did you rage against the sea when you rode your horses and your chariots to victory? You uncovered your bow. You called for many arrows. You split the earth with rivers. The mountains saw you and writhed. Torrents of water swept by. The deep roared and lifted its waves on high. Sun and moon stood still in the heavens at the glint of your flying arrows, at the lightning of your flashing spear. In wrath you strode through the earth, and in anger you threshed the nations. You came out to deliver your people, to save your anointed one. You crushed the leader of the land of wickedness. You stripped him, of, you stripped him from head to foot. With his own spear you pierced his head when his warriors stormed out to scatter us, gloating as though about to devour the wretched who were in hiding. You trampled the sea with your horses, churning the great waters. I heard and my heart pounded. My lips quivered at the sound. Decay crept into my bones and my legs trembled. Yet I will wait patiently for the day of calamity to come on the nation invading us. And I think verse 17 kind of puts it in kind of like whatever, in every circumstance, I'll be content like that line in the song. Because I can guarantee you this. I really believe if we look around us, we can take that statement in Hebrews 12 and says, we have not resisted sin to the shedding of blood. We really have not paid a high price for what we have. Right? We have not got to sacrifice. Well, I take that back. But we can now buy toilet paper. We did have a time where we were short on toilet paper. And that was not a good thing. That was probably the height and maybe when, well, not just maybe, when some of us got COVID, we, we understand what all was going on. But we don't lack for any food. We don't lack for anything that we need. In fact, I was just in a conversation, the car lots are having trouble keeping cars. People are buying them up. I don't see anybody that's lacking. I know we're not. And we haven't really sacrificed. And this is where Habakkuk says, you know what? If things really get sideways here, not just a lack of toilet paper. But if things really get bad here, look at verse 17. If the fig tree does not bud and there are no grapes on the vines, Though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though they are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, what do you think he decides where he's going to be? He's going to plant his feet solidly on the promises of the great I am. And he says this, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. 
the things we face and the challenges we face today are not chat, chat verse 17. Because, you know, I don't know what is up with my fig tree. I can't abuse that thing enough to make it stop being like on steroids. I'm going to just have to say, all right, they're ready. Anybody come and get it. But we, we, we have gardens, we have produce, we, we have tomatoes, we have all kinds of things. We don't lack for anything. But Habakkuk says, if dark days come, I know where I'm planting my feet. I'm planting my feet on the character of God. And God, even if the things around me become scarce, my joy and my praise will not be scarce. I will not let up praising him and rejoicing in him he says the sovereign lord is my strength he makes my feet like the feet of a deer he enables me to tread on the heights we've been through a difficult year no doubt we've lost people we've lost family members i lost a cousin early not from covid but his funeral his memorial was affected by the protocol and the things played and I, and I and I preached his service in March, and his his wife still aches from the loss and very close to us. And we know we know people close to us that we've lost, but we don't lack resources. We don't lack medical resources. This nation is one of the most blessed nations on the planet. We are so blessed. But we can't forget how we got here. We cannot let our memory go of the goodness and the grace of God that's been on this nation. And one of the things that God has blessed us is because we value life. And we value those who lose their life. I think the praise team can come up. I can't help but think of Melvin Presley every time this weekend rolls around. Two years younger than me in our church, little church in Childersburg, probably no more than 50, 60 people. So there was just a handful of young people. And he was one of them. Drafted into the Vietnam War. And in February, before he turned 19 years of age in March, he was killed in action, 18 years of age. I remember when his coffin arrived and we had his funeral. Flag draped, sealed coffin. And I can still see his mother so broken, so stricken with grief. And he's buried there in Childersburg. His name is on that wall, Melton Presley. There's some of you who know people that's on that wall. Some of you here possibly has a relative on that wall. It was put there to remind us of the cost of what we enjoy today. And if that's true about our country, how much more should it be true about the kingdom of God. Would you stand with me this morning?